Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Final day of 2021, and Field Yates and Courtney Cronin filling in for the guys on the final hours, really, of 2021. And Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max are presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. Courtney, are you much of a New Year's resolution person or no? I like to write out my intentions for the following year. And I know it sounds like a millennial, like, let me manifest this. Like, I don't I don't take it that far. But last year, because I don't think people stick with resolutions, like we can get through the first five, six weeks of the year. And then for us, at least for me, like if I did a New Year's res- resolution, if I'm going to work out every day, combine, free agency, sure. I don't leave the same place where I'm sitting for 12, 13 hours. Like, I don't leave the house. I'm like, wow, it's April. Where did my life go? Where did my workout goal go? So I try to, like, set intentions of, like, in, in you know, I'm going to do this differently throughout the year. I'm going to try to change this quality about myself. Things like that. Like, I'm not like, I need to lose 30 pounds by this date. Things like that. Or I'm going to get a gym membership. I've already had those things. So... I don't know. It's always we always look at it as like a weight loss thing, right? Start the year because everybody thinks fresh start January one. Yep. Yes, it is. But always you can self-care. do self care through man through like setting intentions for yourself and That's being neat. a little bit more easy on yourself. All right, so we're adapting New Year's resolutions are more just like you know general goals to look forward to for the yes. upcoming year ahead. Mm-hmm. Mine's to drink less coffee, and yet here I am on cup number two this morning. It's only seven a.m. Oh, on the East Coast, so um, <clears throat> we. You are headed to Green Bay tomorrow night, Mm -hmm. uh, two nights from now, excuse me, today's only Friday. You are headed to Green Bay on Sunday to watch Minnesota Vikings, the team that you cover on a day-to-day basis for ESPN, play the Green Bay Packers. They actually beat the Packers earlier on this year at a game that was played in Minnesota. The Packers right now have the inside track to the number one seed in the NFC. Courtney, I have been saying for a few weeks now, and I feel like this has actually been a theme of the entire season, but it strikes me that... No team in the NFL this year in either conference is head and shoulders above the rest of its conference, right? Someone's going to end up winning the AFC and someone's going to end up winning the NFC, but it wouldn't surprise me if we had a variety of upsets along the way or very close games along the way. But let's focus in on the NFC right now. As things stand, the Packers can clinch the number one seed in the NFC with a win on Sunday night plus a Cowboys loss against the Cardinals earlier in the day, which at least seems possible. They could also clinch the NFC with two wins, which very much seems possible for the Packers. They are 12-3 and after all. As you assess the NFC and you look at the teams that are in the playoff mix for sure and then those on the outskirts, are you convinced that there is one team that can beat the Packers in Green Bay? Two? Five? How do you assess the NFC playoff field this year? The number two seed right now is Dallas. I think that that's an easy one to pick considering they seem to have found their spark offensively with the way that they played against Washington. And I know some people are going to say, well, look at the caliber of that Washington team. They were decimated by COVID, injuries, off-the-field stuff that had affected them. Whatever. Like, Dak Prescott didn't let his foot off the gas. They've got a balanced rushing attack. Tony Pollard, Ezekiel Elliott, the, their their receivers have finally learned to, like, you know, C.D. Lamb catch the ball, all things like that. Like, it's all coming alive for them at the right time on top of the fact that they have a defense that's predicated off of turnovers and has have done a lot with that this year, and their special teams are pretty good. So, balanced team, yeah, of course they're going to be at the top of my list. 
I'd be remiss to say I can't. I have to throw the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in there, considering what they did last year in that game at Lambeau Field in the NFC Championship game en route to their own Super Bowl, a 31-26 win over Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, they're down right now. Mike Evans, they don't have Chris Godwin anymore because he tore his ACL and is out for the year. But Antonio Brown's back. He had a really good game in his you know, first game back from suspension against the Carolina Panthers. Leonard Fournette will be back too. So I, there's a lot there that I think that you can expect. Tom Brady and that defense too for Tampa Bay to be ready to like repeat what they're doing. But there's really not anybody else outside of those top two teams. Like The only team of the wild card teams, because I think Arizona's fraudulent, and I and I think Philly's still a year away. Like, they're not a contender in my mind. They might just get the seven seed because it feels like nobody else in the NFC wants that seven seed. Sure. Um, the only other team I could see that would maybe have like a long shot upset would be San Francisco. I mean, similar offenses, two head coaches that know each other very, very well, a lot of gamesmanship think going on there. So, but I really do think it's Dallas, the Bucks. And pretty much that's it. So a couple of things there, a couple of thoughts. First one is the team that didn't make your list is the Los Angeles Rams. Correct. Who you saw last week in person. What were your thoughts on them after watching them play against the Vikings? Now, they win that game, but mm-hmm. it wasn't exactly a performance uh, that will go on the pantheon of great Matthew Stafford Sundays. Yeah, I mean, they're they're a nice, shiny object, right? Like, we've thought this all season about the Los Angeles Rams and that they were a quarterback away from being really good and able to run the table in the NFC. I just don't see that. And I've seen a lot of Matthew Stafford covering the Minnesota Vikings for five seasons now. I saw him twice a year before this year. And he looked like Detroit Lions deer in the headlights, Matthew Stafford, in throwing those three interceptions, in looking confused and not mobile and making just really strange decisions against the Vikings defense in that week in that week 16 win that they won in spite of Matthew Stafford. But they've won a lot. They've been in that situation previous times this year. Like you think about why they brought him in. He's supposed to be this transcendent quarterback, right, Field? Like he was supposed to be the guy who can proverbially put the team on his back and carry them into situations that they, where they might be trailing, things that apparently they didn't think Jared Goff did a good enough job with. The games that they've lost, when you think about that Tennessee Titans game, that San Francisco 49ers game on Monday Night Football, they lost because of Stafford, because he dug themselves himself and them, the whole team, into a hole with, you know, back-to-back pick sixes on, you know, uh, and back-to-back drives. Things like that are big issues, and that's not going to win you an NFC championship and get you past, you know, the Green Bay if the road does indeed go through Lambeau. I think that they are starting to hit maybe a little bit of a wall there offensively. They didn't look like the group that we saw beat the Cardinals a couple weeks ago and look explosive offensively and defensively. Yeah, the Packers did beat the Rams once earlier this year at Lambeau Field. Yes. It was 36-28. and 20, 36-28. Matthew Stafford, for those that care about career records, is 3-8 and eight lifetime at Lambeau Field. Obviously, every game but one came with the Detroit Lions, who were a downtrodden franchise for a significant portion of Matthew Stafford's career as well. I thought the 49ers pick was an interesting one, and I kind of agree with it, Courtney. And here's part of the reason why, is in terms of what they do really well, is like when they're running the football effectively, they basically just like nuke whatever defensive momentum you have. They just find a way to make the game so slow and take away some of your best players on defense, which are your pass rushers and often times, and then oftentimes as well, your covered cornerbacks. Well, 
you're running the football 45 times in a game, like San Francisco legitimately can, like that can really slow things down and also take away the impact of your top pass rushers, like Zedaria Smith if he's back healthy on the field, and Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary for Green Bay. But then beyond that, is there something to be said about a team that's going to go into the playoffs as the sixth or seventh seed? There's a different level of pressure, Mm -hmm. right? Because there is a pressure cooker surrounding Los Angeles this year because they went effectively all in. Remember the Rams' Twitter account themselves after they traded for Von Miller Mm -hmm. used the gif, the old push-the-chips-in-the-middle-of-the-table gif, right? Like, that is a testament to how much pressure is on Los Angeles this year that, like, every game is going to feel like the Super Bowl once the Rams get there. There's a different mentality the 49ers are playing with this year, right? They're, uh, they're going to be a wild-card team if they make the playoffs, and they're going to be one of those teams that has the – that sort of plays into the cliche of, like, nobody wants to face them. Mm-hmm. And by the way, like, as as – I don't know how I want to describe Jimmy Garoppolo, but as effective as he was for a stretch of this season, and I know that he was not great last week and is now hurt, San Francisco is also like potentially at the start of all this happening, right? They still have Trey Lance. They have Debo Samuel and Nick Bosa amongst their young core pieces. Like, There's not a lot of pressure on them. It's not like if they don't finish the job this year, all of a sudden we have to worry about the end of San Francisco as we know it. But it should be a really, really interesting finish to the NFC Week 17, Packers have a chance to clinch the number one seed with a win and also a Cowboys loss. You know, we've been asking all morning, and we want to ask again on the Dr. Pepper call-in line, the Steelers quarterback in 2022 will be filled with a blank. You can join the show at 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. And we'll give you answer. We'll give you our answer to that question next. It's Keyshawn J. Will and Max on ESPN Radio and ESPN2. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Back on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. Field Yates and Courtney Cronin hanging in for the guys on the final day of 2021. And, Courtney, it's time now for us to head out to the hotline as we are joined by former Jets general manager and longtime Miami Dolphins executive as well, general manager and basically the boss. He's basically the boss of the AFC East, along with Bill Belichick for the past 20 years. Now he's one of our great ESPN NFL analysts. He's Mike Tannenbaum. Mike, good morning to you, my friend. Good morning and happy New Year, guys. I'm not so sure uh, there's any other, but Coach Belichick has the uh, singular boss of the AFC East. Well, you can be the number two boss as far as I'm concerned, Mike. <laughs> and uh, Bill can hold on to that number one mantle, but you're a close second, at least in my eyes. And Mike, yesterday, Ben Roethlisberger signaled what I think a lot of us were expecting, which was that this could very well be his final NFL season. 
all signs point into Monday night being his final game. If you're the GM of the Steelers, what is your plan moving forward at quarterback? Because it strikes me that they could be a little bit of a rock and a hard play situation. Yeah, to me, the verb, guys, is scour. It has to be all hands on deck. We have to go after somebody in free agency. Now, maybe it's a big Aaron Rodgers trade or a Russell Wilson trade, but it could be Jimmy Garoppolo. It could be a Jameis Winston. And then I would also maybe take the shortest scouting trip in the history of America. I would simply walk across that facility and do everything I could to take a long, long look at Kenny Pickett, who may wind up being Field and Courtney the best quarterback in the upcoming draft. So to me, it's a little bit of a rock and a hard place, but it's also an opportunity to maybe try to attack it both on the pro side and the college side. And the other interesting name too is Dwayne Haskins. You know, Dwayne Haskins was a first round pick. It didn't work out for him for whatever reason in Washington. He's still under contract with the Steelers. To me, I'd be a little intrigued to see, you know, what they have with him and then let the best player play. We all want to play the hindsight game, and we know hindsight is 2020. And we could look back to the 2020 season where they start out with an 11 game win streak, and then they lose in the playoffs where he's not even playing. Mason Rudolph was playing in that game against the Cleveland Browns. And do you think that they set their franchise back a couple years by not asking Ben Roethlisberger to retire after last season, considering we knew these injuries were starting to pile up. He had already come back from the elbow surgery in the 2019 season. And how far, if you do agree with that, like how far back, how many years back do you think they set the franchise with the quarterback position that they didn't handle last season when they had a chance? Yeah, Courtney, it's a fair question. It's really hard. I will tell you, like, having the privilege of being with a number of teams in my career, that is singularly the hardest thing to do is when you have an aging, declining player who, let's face it, is an all-time great Hall of Famer, Super Bowl champion, will go down as a great stealer, number retired. It's really hard to say, could it have been two years ago, maybe three years ago, you know, when should they have pulled the plug? You know, I've said more than once that when they moved on from David DeCastro, Alejandro Villanueva, and Marquise Pouncey, maybe that was the right time to do it, where if you're going to rebuild the line, rebuild it with a young quarterback. And look, you can rebuild on the fly. You can find guys, and especially some of the veteran quarterbacks that will be out there uh, beyond Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. You could go win a lot of games with a Jimmy Garoppolo. And we know San Francisco's future, for example, is going to be tied to Trey Lance. So there will be quarterbacks out there. Um, I don't believe in long rebuilding programs. I just... I was with the Jets in 1998. We signed Vinny Testaverde in June. He was on the streets. The Ravens had cut him. And six months later, we're in the championship game. So in the formative years of my career, I've learned that you can rebuild and win on the fly. Ben Roethlisberger led the Pittsburgh Steelers to two Super Bowl wins, a two-time champion. And as we look at his legacy in the NFL, but particularly with the only organization he's ever known, I'd like to know from you, who do you think was a more important Pittsburgh Steeler? Is it any question that it was Terry Bradshaw, or does Ben Roethlisberger, can he make a case? You know, Bradshaw obviously has more rings and did it for a long time, but, you know, Ben's up there in that conversation because, you know, he st- really stabilized the franchise, him and Coach Tomlin, for, you know, the better part of, you know, 15 years. So, to me, you know, Bradshaw may be the greatest, but, you know, Ben's a, a Hall of Famer and has so much to be proud of. Mike, the AFC North is wild right now. Every team still has a chance to win this division with just two Sundays left in the NFL's regular season. How would you handicap this division? And 
whoever you think is the best in that division, what's the ceiling for that team in the AFC playoff picture? Yeah, I think it's Cincinnati because I think right now their quarterback clearly is playing the best of the four. You know, this may be John Harbaugh's best coaching job he's ever done, and I think they're going to wind up falling a little bit short, but it's amazing what they've overcome. But I think Joe Burrow and the Bengals, boy, we're going to see, we're going to learn a lot about them. They're playing Kansas City this week. I think their ceiling is pretty interesting because in a one-game season, I just don't know who can match up with their three receivers in Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, and obviously the great young Jamar Chase. So to me, in a one-game season, they're a team that no one's going to want to play. You mentioned the Baltimore Ravens there momentarily, and we know that Lamar Jackson has that ankle injury. And he looked he had a noticeable limp when we saw him at practice on Wednesday. He doesn't practice on Thursday. All signs, at least of, as of now, pointing towards Tyler Huntley getting the start again as they try to keep their playoff hopes alive against the Rams. I'm wondering from a front office perspective, when, he, when Lamar Jackson, who represents himself, is now – on the cusp of having to go to the negotiation table with the Baltimore Ravens this offseason. How do you think these last couple games that he's missed and really how he's battled through and played this season during some of those injuries, how do you think that affects his future earnings? Or do you think that that doesn't weigh as heavily into it, considering he was an MVP in 2019? Yeah, no, it's an interesting question. You know, certainly from the team perspective, that's always going to be a concern. It's not just Lamar Jackson. You know, you could just look at the, the position this year, right? Jameis Winston, Daniel Jones, Kyle Murray missed some games. Um, durability at the quarterback position is always going to be something that you have to strongly consider. With that said, Lamar Jackson can't graduate. He'll be a Raven. You know, there's been too much success there. And even if you don't feel great about some of the guarantees you're going to have to give him, you're going to do it because if he ever made it to the market, he would get, you know, go right to the top of the market instantly because he's that sort of transformational player. So, that is a concern, and certainly you would try to fight in terms of how much is guaranteed, when it's guaranteed, things like that. But it's simply the cost of doing business, and you know we, we've seen it the last couple of years. You know, be it Dak Prescott got hurt a year ago um, to all the injuries this year. Mike, we started this conversation in regards to Ben Roethlisberger as he is seemingly going to play his final regular season game for the Steelers on Monday night. Russell Wilson, not quite the same boat as he's got good football ahead of him beyond this year. But Sunday could be his final game with the Seattle Seahawks at home. Take a listen to what he had to say about his future. I know you guys asked Bobby about could this be your last game and this and that and all that. You know, I know, I know for me personally, you know, uh, you know I, I hope it's not my last game. But, you know, at the same time, I know it won't be my last game in the NFL. You know, so I, I'm just focused on the day, you know, and getting better today. And so that's, that's my focus. That's my goal. I love the city and I love this, you know, this moment. So, uh, you know, I love these guys, and so we've we got to make sure we get better today. That's the, only, that's the only thing that matters. All right, Mike, maybe I'm just being naive, but I have a hard time believing that Russell Wilson is dead set on returning to Seattle next year, figuring that perhaps he wants to play elsewhere next season. What do you make of Russ's future as it pertains to the NFL? Well, I think that's going to be a major storyline in the offseason field. Like, if Aaron Rodgers' storyline one, one, this is 1A, and – to me, it kind of looks like Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson, they've had a great run, and it could be over. Uh, obviously, there was some discussion about that last year. So if I'm Seattle and that's the case, I'm going to try to maximize the value, get multiple first-round picks. They lost a couple of ones in that Jamal Adams trade. So if I'm going to rebuild, like now's the time to do it, maximize the value. 
And if I'm Russell Wilson, I'm energized by a fresh start. I think about teams like the obvious fit to me would be a place like New Orleans where they have a championship defense who's beaten Tom Brady repeatedly the last couple of years. He comes in with Michael Thomas returning. I think that would be a great fit. And he also threw Denver out into that mix as well when his agent put out potential destinations for him going into, you know, potentially where he could waive his no trade clause. So three destinations we'll all be keeping an eye on with the Russell Wilson sweepstakes going into 2022. Uh, Switching gears to the NFC North, the Minnesota Vikings lost that game to the Rams on in week 16. Two trips, five trips into the red zone. They only were able to come away with points on two of those. I asked Justin Jefferson about that after the game. Right away, he said that he didn't feel like they were aggressive enough down there. And then earlier this week, Mike Zimmer talked about the comments, said, hey, you're asking somebody 10 minutes after a game how he feels. It's going to be an emotional response. And then Justin Jefferson said this when he was asked if he had spoken to Zimmer since his comments on Sunday. Uh, nah. Um, I had seen I had seen his little interview, though. Uh, but, yeah, I, I agree with him. Uh you know, just being being frustrated. Um, I mean, I, I definitely don't feel like we we had enough energy than we we should have, uh, especially you know going against a team like that. You know, we gotta we gotta run off that energy, that that high motor, that that tempo. So the way that I took that, Mike, when when Mike Zimmer said on Monday that you know people are frustrated, he's not trying to throw anybody under the bus, was, hey, pump the brakes, because I know all of you are about to start comparing Justin Jefferson and what he said to Stephon Diggs wanting and successfully getting out of Minnesota after the 2019 season. What do you make of Jefferson's comments that he hasn't spoken to Mike Zimmer since he said the stuff that he said following the game? Is that something that people should be concerned about? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, you know, Coach Zimmer's been there a long time. I think he has a pretty good pulse for his team. Obviously, Cordy, you, you, you cover that team intimately. But I think that's sort of like a passing comment. And if that went on for several weeks, um, I think that's a different situation. But Coach Zimmer's been a problem solver for a long time. Um, he's a very candid, straightforward guy. So um, I don't think he lets like a lot of, you know, air get between him and you know a lot of daylight between him and his players so I, I think that's a one comment sort of an aberrational moment and uh they've been a, a very well-run program for a long time that's mike tannenbaum who joins us on the goodyear hotline on the goodyear hotline uh, excuse me brought to you by goodyear making the plays that move you forward goodyear more driven and mike is going to stick around with us because someone says the vikings could potentially have the best head coaching head coaching opening this offseason Does he agree? All right, so we're back here on Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and Max, and Field Yates and Courtney Cronin filling in for the guys today, and we are joined still by Mike Tannenbaum, who's not just an excellent NFL analyst for for us here at ESPN, but a marathon man as well who takes his job so seriously. He put on his glasses for the second portion of this segment. And Mike, Bill Barnwell, who also does a great job covering the NFL for us here at ESPN, outlined seven potential head head coaching openings in the NFL this offseason and rank them from seven to one. I'll give you the seven here, and I want you to react to the top one and see what you make of Bill's rankings. Number seven to number one. Number seven, the Texans, not open yet, obviously. The Bears, number six, also not open yet. The Raiders, which has Rich Passaccia as the interim head coach. You would presume they'll do a full search this offseason. The Panthers, not open yet. The Jaguars, which, of course, will have an opening right now. 
uh, obviously after firing Urban Meyer. Uh, Daryl Bevel has taken over as the interim head coach. The Broncos opening, not open yet. And the Vikings, which of course is not open yet. Uh, what do you make of that list, Mike? And what do you think about the Vikings being in the number one slot of p- potential head coaching openings? Yeah, this one's easy for me. You know, one of the great privileges of my career was uh, I had a chance to represent Steve Kerr uh, and did his deal with the Golden State Warriors. And a lot of people at the time thought he was going to be the head coach of the Knicks because he had a very intimate relationship with Phil Jackson. And to his credit, he sort of looked at Golden State and saw Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson as the foundation uh, to do great things. And obviously, you know, the rest is history. And I would tell you, like, when you look at Jacksonville, I think it's a historic opening for a number of reasons. Most notably, you have a franchise quarterback. You have a quarterback with an incredibly high level, much higher than Kirk Cousins or anybody else that was on that list. And maybe, you know, as importantly, Field, and you and I have had a lot of these conversations, the built-in cap savings they're going to have, at least for the next three years, when you look at what his projected salary is going to be compared to what a market deal would be, it's conservatively with a, a minimal cap increase, 35 to $40 million per year. So... We're looking through the lens of the Jaguars, in my opinion, completely wrong because not only are they going to get back DJ Chark and Travis Etienne have another high draft choice in every round, but imagine if every year they could simply add the best football player to their team. So think about, call it Devontae Adams, just to pick a name this year. All of a sudden, that team is going to look dramatically different really quickly. So because you have a quarterback, because he's on a rookie contract, because they play in tax-free Florida, you practice on grass, you play on grass, it should be a destination, and I think with the right coach, it's a quick turnaround. Courtney, I want to ask you, because you cover the Vikings day-to-day, what do you make of, A, like the possibility of this job opening, and then B, the attractiveness of this job? Because there seems to be a lot of talent on paper, but they're also 7-8 and right now. Yeah, and Mike and I actually talked about this and kind of the core issue here was the quarterback's contract. Kirk Cousins has a $45 million cap hit in 2022. So what do you do with him? Because that's a high number to play out. Like I tend to think just with some of these other contracts that they have on the roster, Eric Kendricks is, has a 13 plus million dollar cap hit. Adam Thielen, the same thing. Harrison Smith is up there. And then the big outlier question mark, like what do they do with Daniil Hunter? He's got an $18 million roster bonus due on the fifth day of the league year. And he's been hurt majority of the season um you know they have to do something with Kirk Cousins contract which you know if if they don't make the playoffs this year that would be the first time under Zimmer where in back-to-back seasons they miss the postseason like it feels like everything's kind of coming to a head here whether the Vikings want to continue with this group and say let's try to run it back just one more time because Mike Zimmer is under contract again next year he's got two years remaining on the three-year extension that he signed in 2020 Like, you could either go that route or you could say, hey, we've reached the ceiling with this team. We have a really good quarterback who's played really well this year. And we have key pieces on this team that we can continue to build around, but we want to go a different direction, maybe with an offensive-minded head coach. Because Zimmer's been there for eight seasons. So as far as, like, the attractiveness, though, of this job, and I thought that Bill was kind of funny in his article, real tongue-in-cheek, because he said the pros of it. You know, you have a great ownership group that's patient. They are willing to spend. That's awesome. You have a lot of key pieces on this team that, you know, are going to be there again next year. Good quarterback is a pro. And he also put that the quarterback is a con, I think, because of the contract, because of the limitations within Kirk Cousins' game. Like, you put him out there this year, and he's playing really well. 
but the defense can't hold up. So it's almost like, well, you know, pick your poison here. Because if, if they do end up getting a new head coach, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody who wants to come in and necessarily have Kirk Cousins on a, you know, we know he signs these shorter-term deals, but even if you had him for three years, you're still not necessarily bringing in your guy, even though you could build around a lot of really good pieces on this roster. Mike, how would you assess this job, the Vikings, if it does become open relative to other potential head coaching openings? Oh, it's a compelling opening for a lot of the reasons, Courtney, just said now. You have to assume you, you work out something with Kirk Cousins, Daniil Hunter, you know, to me, that's where you start, pass rushers and quarterbacks. But, you know, Justin Jefferson, to me, when we talk about top 10 players in the NFL, not quarterbacks, he's on that list. So you have a dynamic young playmaker. You have Dalvin Cook. So there's a lot of pieces there. Very stable franchise, very good ownership, great facilities. So there are a lot of boxes that are checked. Um, I just put it behind Jacksonville for the reasons we discussed. But if you could figure out Cousins and Daniil Hunter, that's a really good place to start for the offseason. Mike, I want to press you on this Jacksonville thought one time, though, because I hear everything you said. I, and I would have thought this, and I do think there's a lure to that job. And I would have thought even more so last year prior to hiring Urban Meyer. Are you at all worried, though, that like there is a toxic stench that is just going to be attached to this franchise in perpetuity? Because it feels like no matter what they do, they can't get out of their own way. They have yet – I mean, this is – unbelievably bad an unbelievably bad track record for a decade other than one season in 2017 when they somehow made the AFC championship game like at some point it just feels like this franchise cannot find a way to get on track yeah and coaching matters field it's it's a fair question but um very early on in my career I was hired by coach Parcells and Belichick at the New York Jets in 1997, the 1996 Jets won one game and spent more money than anybody. So easily, it could have been a five or ten year rebuild, and it was a franchise that really was rudderless and all the things you're describing, Jacksonville. And the day those two gentlemen walked through the door in year one, we won nine games, and in year two, we were in the championship game. So I, I see firsthand like coaching matters, and when you look at some of these other massive turnarounds when guys like Andy Reid walk through the door like coaching matters and you bring in the right coach all that to me field is ancient history you flush it and you just move on and to me because you have the quarterback and you have the warm weather and no income taxes all the things we talked about I would just sell it as we can't worry about the past and let's just move forward looking at a great future. Uh, Mike, there's no perfect job in the NFL. They all have their warts. But the Broncos feels like one that, if it became open, could be very attractive for this reason. They kind of have everything but the quarterback, or at least a lot of the stuff but the quarterback, and there might be some quarterbacks this offseason that could become available, like Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson, amongst others. What are your thoughts on Denver as a potential opening and how close they could be to competing in an AFC West that already has two rock star quarterbacks in Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert? Yeah, great call field. I like it a lot. They got two really good young players in Simmons and Sertan in the secondary, which you're going to need to compete in that division. Uh, They got young skill players, as you mentioned. So to me, that's a really intriguing place. Now, that's the good news. The bad news is, you're playing Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes four times a year. And by the way, you know, Derek Carr to me is a very similar quarterback to Kirk Cousins. Very good, very consistent, maybe not elite elite. So you're going into a division that has three winning quarterbacks. But for all the reasons you talked about, 
to me, Denver's very intriguing as well. Courtney, what do you yeah. make of that job? Sorry. I, I know. I like that. I think that the, the the notion that you have to get the quarterback right and maybe you make a big swing and try to get a Russell Wilson or an Aaron Rodgers because you're going to be competing against Patrick Mahomes. You're going to be competing against Justin Herbert for the foreseeable future. The one thing that's like the big question mark here that I don't know if we're talking enough about, and maybe it doesn't weigh all that much into the X's and O's and what you're going to get on the field, there's a lot of lack of certainty, a lot of uncertainty within this ownership group, and we know that that's all about to come to a head, you know, in the in the 2022 off season. So that's like probably like one of the bigger knocks I think on the Denver job. But we've known that that's all about to come to, you know, it's all about to hit a wall at some point. Like we've known that for a while. Great point there by Courtney, and great insight by Mike Tannenbaum. As always, we so appreciate you joining us here, Mike, on Key J and Max. Happy New Year, Mike. Thanks, guys. Happy Happy New Year, guys. Really appreciate it. The great Mike Tannenbaum joined us, and uh, uh, on the excuse me, the great Mike Tannenbaum joined us here on Key J and Max, which is presented by Progressive Insurance. It's Courtney Cronin and Field Yates filling in. The five biggest games of the penultimate weekend of the NFL are available this weekend. Who can clinch spots? We'll dive into those. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome. So you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. This is Four Downs. Four Downs is brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. And let's be honest, no one wants to hear from me. They want to hear instead from our producer, Evan. All right, Take it let's away. go through these games. Start first down. First down. All right, Chiefs Bengals Sunday, 1 p.m. Coverage on ESPN Radio begins at noon. Chiefs are a five-point favorite. The over-under is 51. Courtney, who do you like in this game? I like the Cincinnati Bengals. I still think that they are the biggest threat with the Buffalo Bills, but they're playing the Chiefs this week. They're the biggest threat to the Chiefs in the postseason, and I think that they're going to pull off the upset and lock up the AFC North all at once. We saw what Joe Burrow did against the against the Baltimore Ravens last week. Yes, I know. The secondaries look a little different. The Chiefs are pretty much healthy. Baltimore Ravens were down to like 13 players at practice last week on the defensive side of the ball. Probably won't be throwing for 525 yards in this game. 
but he's got three really good receivers. They're all balling right now. He's got a thousand yards back. He's balling right now. I like the Bengals to pull off the upset and clinch the AFC North. That's a great pick by Courtney. I'll take the Chiefs 32-29 instead, though, because it's the Chiefs. And I know that that's kind of lame, sort of like, you know, a crutch bit of analysis. But I will say the Chiefs right now playing probably the best complimentary football in the NFL, certainly in the AFC. And the difference could be Harrison Butker being back after a one-game absence due to COVID-19 protocols. I think the Chiefs find a way to win. And if they do, they would basically cement their status as the likely number one seed in the AFC. Give me the Chiefs in a close one. All right, the Bengals will clinch the AFC North with a win or Ravens loss and a Steelers tie. Chiefs clinch the number one seed in the AFC with a win and a Titans loss. Second down. Second down. Dolphins at Titans Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern. Titans are a a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Courtney, what do you like in this one? I like the Titans in this one. I think that the win streak for Miami ends against against the Titans. Um, You know, it it just it feels like it's all going to come to a head here. The Titans are playing really good ball. They're getting hot at the right time. Dante Foreman's done a pretty good job in place of Derrick Henry. And we all saw what A.J. Brown did against the San Francisco 49ers last week. I like the the Titans in this one. I'll take the Titans in a close one as well, Courtney. I think that what we saw last Thursday from the Titans was just how gutty and gritty this team is. Like There is a never-say-die mentality that is real. It's not just one of those things that we talk about with Tennessee. You factor in they had a four-day head start, right? They played on Thursday. Miami played on Monday. Give me the Titans. For the second straight week, the Titans can clinch the division with a win and a Colts loss. Third down. Third down. Raiders at those Colts. Huge playoff matchup Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern. There is no line on this game currently because... We don't know the status of Carson Wentz. Courtney, what do you like? I think Carson Wentz will end up playing in this game. I think they're going to attack the Raiders downfield. The Colts are hot right now. They can lean on Carson Wentz. We saw how good he did at the end of the game against the Arizona Cardinals, that third and nine pass. It's just, you know, boggling my mind at the moment. I want to see that version of Carson Wentz, and I want to see him lean on Jonathan Taylor because that's the key to their success. I like the Colts in this one. I'll take the Colts as well, Courtney. So we are two for three in terms of agreeing I'm just not fully convinced that the Raiders are that good of a team. They've scraped by in each of their last two games, but that was against Nick Mullins and Drew Locke. Not that Carson Wentz has been, you know, peak Aaron Rodgers this season, but better, better team. Colts are rolling right now. Give me the Colts. Colts will clinch a playoff spot with a win. It would be their second straight playoff appearance. Fourth down. Fourth down. I don't know about you guys. This is the game I'm most looking forward to outside of Chiefs Bengals this weekend. Cardinals at the Cowboys Sunday, 425. The Cowboys are a five and a half point favorite. The over-under is 51 points. Courtney, what do you like in this one? Ooh, this is tough. I don't really want to go out on a limb and say that I think the Cardinals are going to lose four straight, but seeing Dallas last week, even against a Washington team that is not at the same level as an Arizona team, leads me to believe that Dallas is rolling and rolling at the right time. Kyler Murray said it. They're killing themselves right now. Offensively, since they lost DeAndre Hopkins, they hit a wall and they haven't been able to get themselves up. So I like the Cowboys in this one. I think that Trevon Diggs has another really big day here, another takeaway, and that's what their defense is predicated off of. Give the offense more opportunities to score. I like the idea of the Cardinals having the chips stacked against them right now because the pressure has been taken off them. I'm still taking the Cowboys, though. The Cowboys get a lot of grief for a team that's 11-4. and four. Like I think this team is legit good. Give me the Cowboys. And it might be bigger than that five and a half point spread. Let's go to the bonus down. What? We have five downs? 
bonus dad. Sorry, the officials here are just like the ones in that old uh, Missouri-Colorado game. We yeah, got, we that's give you right, five way downs. back in the day. Love it. All right, Rams, Ravens, Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern. Rams are three-and-a-half-point road favorite. Courtney, who do you like in this one? I mean, I can't say anybody but the Rams, and that's not because of Matthew Stafford and watching what he did in Minnesota last week. It's because of that pass rush. And whether you have a hobbled Lamar Jackson in there or you have Tyler Huntley, Aaron Donald is not human. I watched what he did last week, and I'm like, yep, that tracks. Uh, I'm going with the Rams in this one. Upset special here, friends. The Ravens at home find a way to grind out a victory. Even if Tyler Huntley starts in place of Lamar Jackson, the Ravens kind of feel like karmically they are due because we've seen them lose in gut-wrenching fashion. Two of their past three losses have been on two-point conversions that did not work out in their favor against the Steelers and then also against the Green Bay Packers. I think Baltimore finds a way here to win a huge game and keeps them right in the AFC North playoff picture. We could have all four teams fighting for something this weekend. I think that'll be the case. I like it. That's I'm it. still going with the Rams. That's four downs. Courtney, you saw Matthew Stafford last week. Does he bounce back? No. I don't think he does. I think that he'll end up throwing another interception. I don't think that this team can win a Super Bowl with Matthew Stafford. Mm-hmm. I really don't. Hey, it's spicy. But don't tell the Rams that, Courtney, because they have traded all of their first-round picks from now until 2058 because yeah. of that Matthew Stafford <laughs> trade and a few other ones. Always fun to play four downs. and I cannot wait for this upcoming weekend in the NFL. There is so much at stake. Still, so many teams that still have at least a glimmer of hope in the playoff picture. Coming up, though, we've got a coach comparing a second-year quarterback to Tom Brady. Which quarterback is he referring to? We'll tell you next here on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast.